Broadcasting from an undisclosed location in South Texas, this is an on-quarantine edition of American View, where Hillsdale meets the nation. Here's your hosts, Ben Dietrich and Teddy Burkofer. Good morning, Hillsdale, and to all of our listeners across the United States and around the world, you're listening to an uncut version of American View. It's American View on Quarantine. Joining me today and for the rest of these episodes as we remain on quarantine is Teddy Burkhofer in the studio. He'll be a co-host with us. So my name is Ben Dietrich. You've probably heard me before, but Teddy, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Ben. Uh, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be on the American View quarantine edition to be the co-host. Pinch hitting for these few months. Now, no offense to Teddy, but I have to say it wasn't necessarily by choice that Teddy became a co-host of the show. As it happens, we, we quite are literally are on quarantine down here in an undisclosed location in Texas. For our safety, um, we have decided not to disclose that location. Both Teddy and I are healthy at this point, and we are going to remain at our safe house on the bay, uh, just south of a major city in, in Texas. And that's all we will say. To yeah, that. that's true, Ben. I uh, When I heard that I was going to become co-host of the show, I knew that there were a lot of fans and groupies out there. I said, I don't want them coming up to our gates, knocking on the door, asking for handouts, asking for canned food. I said, keep the keep the Roners away. That's what we're calling people with coronavirus, the Roners. We're keeping them away. <laughs> we're staying healthy and staying safe. So of our course. argument was we're going to stay at an undisclosed location. So one thing you'll learn about Teddy, um, I've known him for quite some years since I was just a freshman. Um, not only are we both fraternity brothers together, but uh, Teddy... Um, has a lot of wacky ideas out there. Sometimes, though, he ends up being correct. And so we're going to let him speak his mind on here. I think you'll enjoy having him on here. Um, despite not having chosen him, I quickly realized that Teddy was a great fit for radio, and I'm really excited to, to share what Teddy has to say with, with all of our listeners on American View here. Um, today, though, we got Gordon Chang coming on later in just a short a couple minutes here. We spoke with Gordon Chang this morning. It was really interesting talking with him. If you listen to the show regularly, you know he's been on the show a couple times in the past. We talked to him most recently at CPAC, and um, he's the specialist on China. He's on CNN, he's on Fox News, he's in the Wall Street Journal. And he had a lot of interesting stuff to say, specifically about the fact that last night, of course, we, we saw that America supposedly has overtaken all the other countries in the world for coronavirus cases. And I say supposedly. But we'll see, we'll hear from Gordon what he has to say about that, and we'll talk about that here as well. So, Teddy, um, tell us a little bit about how we ended up here and what it's been like the past couple of weeks. I'm sure that if you're a Hillsdale student out there, all of our worlds, not just Hillsdale students, even beyond that, have been turned upside down. We're going to tell you a little bit about how ours has and what we're planning to do on this show in the next couple of weeks. Well, Ben, um, as you know, we were... Uh, planning this spring break trip uh, down here in Texas for a few weeks before spring break, maybe about a month out. Um, you were the first one to said, you know, let's go to Texas. Uh, let's get a let's get a house on the bay. Let's do some sailing and have some fun for spring break. We invited uh, six other of our fraternity brothers down here, and we had a good time. We were here for a week, and of course, I think as most Hillsdale students would know, I think it was maybe Wednesday or Thursday of that spring break week when things started to get pretty real and the school announced that they were going to be delaying school for a week and then it was two weeks and then online classes and uh, stuff started to get pretty hectic after that. 
It did, it did. And both Teddy and I are seniors, and so we're in that kind of awful situation, which I know so many are, where, you know, we would love to get back to campus and be able to have a couple more weeks because we just weren't ready yet to, to stop going to school. Um, it's kind of an interesting situation that I think we're in and many seniors around the country are in. Uh, and I'll just add that, you know, as he mentioned, we got this Bay House, and thanks to some some proud supporters of the show and uh, who, who love Radio Free Hillsdale and Hillsdale College, we are fortunate enough to be able to stay in this house. These supporters may or may not be a blood relative of one of the hosts of the show, but we're, we're very gracious to them, and we would like to thank them, but we will keep their names anonymous for their own safety at this time. And, um, you know, w with that, why don't we go ahead and hear what Gordon Chang has to say uh, as you can tell, the audio right now is not as great as traditional in-studio audio when we do American View back at home in Hillsdale or when we do it other places. The good news is we should have our microphones from the studios arriving here shortly next week. And um, until then, it's going to be kind of raw, but we still got the great commentary and the great guests. Where Hillsdale meets the nation, this is American View on Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Now we go to Gordon Chang. Joining us right now is Gordon G. Chang. You can find him on Twitter at Gordon G. Chang. He is the author of The Coming Collapse of China and a new pamphlet coming out um, from Encounter Books, The Great U.S.-China Tech War. He's a specialist on all things China. He regularly appears on Fox News, CNN, and has his opinions published on national publications um, quite frequently. Gordon, thank you for joining us this morning. Oh, well, thank you so much. So I wanted to start today, obviously, with the big story that hit last night. I know you've already talked a little bit about this online, and that's the fact that according to the numbers that China has provided us and the United States has provided us, the United States has supposedly surpassed China in coronavirus cases. Um, what does this mean? How confident are you that the data China has provided is actually accurate? Yes. Um, the data that China's providing is certainly not accurate. Um, they they talk about 81,000 cases, um, but we don't know how many times multiple is the real number. Uh, and, and there are a number of indications that China has been severely underreporting the number of cases and deaths. So, for instance, um, there were um, there were a, a failure to report accurately. Um, on a number of fronts. One of them is cell phone usages. Um, number of cell phone accounts in two months dropped by 21 million. Now, I don't believe that 21 million Chinese died uh, during the virus, but nonetheless, this is a real indication that uh, China has not been accurate, largely because everyone in China must have a cell phone. Um, right. It's much more so than here. Also, there are 840,000 fewer landlines in China, which is also surprising. Um, but when we see these reports from Wuhan about uh, 10,000 or so urns, um, this is a real indication that uh, for various reasons, China was not accurately reporting uh, the number of deaths. Do, do we have any idea of what the number is actually closer to? Um, this, is, this is something I, I, I've heard from both you and also some of the friends over at the Epoch Times. They've also said that these numbers, there's no way they can be accurate. Um, one number I heard is that the, the government was only reporting between 6 and 10% of actual cases. Do you have any idea of what the, the accurate numbers could possibly be? Uh, no, I don't, um, because there's been an extraordinary suppression campaign. 
People have said that the number of cases that they're 22 times the actual uh, the actual cases are 22 times larger than reported. That's also hard to believe, but um, you know, in the range of maybe 10 times more, that's certainly um, believable. Um, but you know, we've, we've got to remember that the party throughout this um, epidemic has been placing much more emphasis on narrative control than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, and there are a couple of reasons here. There's first of all, there's deliberate falsification, but also we know that in the early stages of the epidemic in Wuhan, the epicenter, um, healthcare workers were just overwhelmed. Um, they were just trying to care for the afflicted. They couldn't deal with the people who were dropping dead on the streets and the dead who were um, on hospital floors remaining for more than half a day. So. Um, there's a lot of reasons why the numbers are not accurate, um, but Beijing has not made any attempt that we can see to actually uh, go back and look at the numbers to make sure that the numbers are accurate. Now, for our listeners out there, um, tell us a little bit more about the, the narrative that Beijing is continuing to perpetuate and the parts that you are most concerned with at this point. There was a report yesterday that uh, I think it was 80% of the tests they had sent over to Spain and um, some of the other countries in Europe to supposedly assist them uh, did not function properly. Um, What for you is most concerning about the narrative that China is now continuing to try and perpetuate and change? Uh, The most concerning element is um, Beijing saying that all of its new cases uh, are imported, uh, quote unquote. Um, Over the last week, um, they have reported um, new cases in the dozens every day. So if you go back, um, yesterday they reported 54, the day before that 67, 47, 78. And during this span of a week, they've only reported two community transmissions. In other words, person-to-person inside China. Um, that is just not to be believed. That is not consistent what we observe. That's not consistent with um, the models that virologists have come up with. Uh, and it's certainly not consistent with common sense. Um, we have seen a trajectory for COVID-19 in Italy, Spain, the United States, South Korea, and it's substantially different than the trajectory reported in China. So we know that there's only um, essentially one strain of COVID-19, um, and it, it can't act differently in China uh, versus everywhere else in the world. So we've just got to assume that um, it, the increase has been just as sharp in China as it has been elsewhere, and that its sustainability is the same in China as elsewhere. So these numbers from China um, just indicate a very different situation than the rest of the world, and that's not to be believed. Right. Well, and, you know, of course, one of the big stories was that their temporary hospitals had finally closed in the Wuhan region. Um, and, and though there are still dozens each, each day of patients that come out or new te- new or confirmed cases in China, the number is lower. Um, do you think it's, it's fair to believe that we can at least trust the fact that the, the curve of cases finally decreased significantly in China? because they closed those hospitals or do they just close the hospitals because they want people to believe that the situation is resolved? Well, the number of new cases in China is certainly less than it was, for instance, a month ago. So the virus is subsiding um, and there is indications of that all over the place. 
Um, but the question really is um, for China, is there a second wave? And it appears that, in fact, there is. Because if you go back a couple of weeks, they were reporting new cases, low single digits, um, you know, under 10. Now um, they're reporting dozens. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, it's just an indication that um, there is an upswing. We have observed a second wave of coronavirus cases in areas near China. So you have Hong Kong, Taiwan, South Korea. Um, and the question is, um, it's got to occur in China itself um, because this bug is the same bug. Um, and, and it just it just seems, um, especially as China tries to force people back into the restaurants, the theaters, the job sites, that they are going to reinfect each other. That just makes, that's just common sense. So um, I think that we are going to see a second epidemic in China. It's going to be really bad because of a political decision to get people back to work. And this is a warning to the United States as well, as of course, um, President Trump wants people um, to you know, return to work. But I don't think that we are going to be any different than what we're seeing in these other places. And as bad as it is now, we will eventually get a second wave if we prematurely um, start to resume uh, society as we knew it. Mm-hmm. Now, speaking of President Trump, um, he's gone a lot of fire uh, about last week when he was—he has been using the term China virus or Wuhan virus to kind of pin the blame on the Chinese government for what's been happening. Do you agree with those that choose to, to do that? Yeah, I I support – I'm Chinese-American. I don't find it racist at all is what people were saying. I think President Trump was doing what he had to do, which is defend the United States. Got to remember that um, for – since the beginning of February, maybe the end of the first week of February, China's foreign ministry and the Global Times, which is a Communist Party newspaper – were involved in a concerted campaign to tar the United States over the epidemic. This culminated on March 12th with that tweet from the foreign uh, ministry spokesman who said that patient zero was in America and suggested that the U.S. Army um, carried the coronavirus to Wuhan, thereby intimating germ warfare. Um, President Trump absolutely had no choice but to make it clear that the virus started in China And he, the vice president, and the secretary of state have been good in doing that, that they have said, look, this is not an American disease. So um, I fully support President Trump's um, use of those terms. Now, I I spoke, we spoke with you, our team spoke with you back at CPAC about a month ago now. And then um, previously, I think the time before that, one of the questions we asked you was regarding this coronavirus and whether or not the origination of it, you know, um, if, if it really did start in a meat market or if it possibly could have come from one of the, the biotechnology or from the, from the biotechnology uh, site that they have in Wuhan. Do you have any thoughts on that? I mean, do you think that's still a possibility that this was something that was actually engineered by the Chinese government? Um, or is there really just no evidence to suggest that at this point? Um, right now, um because Beijing has been preventing virologists from studying the um, Wuhan, um, really can't rule out anything. Um, In general, the science goes both ways as to where this started, whether it was a release from the Wuhan Institute of Virology, that P4 biosafety lab you just referred to, or whether it came from the wet market in Wuhan. 
these two locations are 20 miles apart, um, so they're pretty close. Um, there's a lot of science both ways, um, but also there, there's now a lot of science which says this was not an engineered bug, but that doesn't mean it didn't come from the Institute. It could have been a release of a stored virus, but there's a lot we still do not know, and we cannot rule out any scenario until China allows virologists to come in and fully study this. Um, mm -hmm. When a government tries to hide something, you've got to ask, what are they hiding? What are they sensitive about? And these are the questions that have to remain um, until we get a full investigation. Mm -hmm. Well, Gordon, thank you so much for joining us. This has been Gordon Chang. His Twitter, you can find him on Twitter, at Gordon G. Chang. And then his new book that's coming out, The Great U.S.-China Tech War, will be available soon. When, when is that coming out, Gordon? Uh, the end of this month. The end of this month. You can find out more about that as you want to learn more about China and um, not just their role in coronavirus, but how they, they are a growing threat um, to the free world still today. So, Gordon, thank you again for joining us. Oh, well, thank you so much. So you're listening to Radio Free Hillsdale 101.7 FM. Now you're back here with Teddy and myself, Ben Dietrich. This is American View, where Hillsdale meets the nation on quarantine here uh, in our undisclosed location in Texas. So good to be with you. Um, so what did you think, Teddy? What came to mind? You have, Gordon Chang obviously had a lot to say. There is some surprising information out there. I mean, 21 million uh, phones no longer on the China network. It makes you wonder, you know, are those people that were hit economically hard or are they people that, that died? He, he was, you know, cautioned to say, yeah, there probably wasn't 21 million people that were, you know, physically harmed by the virus, but it does make you wonder. Well, yeah, it's certainly very interesting um, with, in times like these, especially when you're dealing with a government that just consistently lies about things like China does, um, that it, what struck me is that you can still sometimes try and find the truth reading between the lines, looking at numbers like that, like the cell phone um, registrations and subscriptions uh, and, other, and other things, rather than looking at the official numbers that uh, the Chinese Communist Party is releasing. Yeah. And there's so much we want to talk about Corona today. I want to give you guys a little bit of an update, though, on what this show, what we're going to cover today and what we're planning on covering in the future, because we're going to need your help with some of these episodes. So first off, today, we're going to talk about um, the media bias that we've seen, a little bit more on China, what Gordon Chang had to say. Uh, there's some, some conspiracy theories that Teddy and I have been working up on that we've got to fill you in on. And um, we're going to get to all of that in the next half of the show and what we're doing right now. And then uh, as well, you know, in addition to that, we, we want to open up the fact that we don't want to just talk about coronavirus on this show or the virus itself, all the bad news. I don't know about you guys, but it can be kind of depressing. And both myself and Teddy, we try to shut off our phones for a good period of the day. And some of the stuff we want to do is talk about some of the things we're up to when we're you know on quarantine. We want to hear from you as well. So if you're a student, a professor, or just a Hillsdale local tuning in or one of our uh, listeners tuning in via our podcast, uh, network. Go ahead and give us a message on Twitter. You can find my Twitter at Ben underscore D-I-E-T-D. You can DM me on there. Teddy, do you have Twitter? Not publicly, no. So not publicly. So Teddy, I guess, is not available on Twitter, but you can find us on Facebook, American View, W-R-F-H. Send us a message there as well. Um, if you have my contact info than that, send us a message. We'd love to have you on the show. You can call in and be quarantined along with us. It's a lot more fun than those Zoom classes you've been having so far, I promise you that. Um, so going back to this, though, Teddy, um, real quick before we take a quick break, 
Uh, I know that there's a, the thing we asked him at the end of the, the interview with Gordon, we asked him about, is this really, did this really originate in a meat market? You've been doing some research on this and we're going to give some disclosures before we dive into it. But what, what do you have on it? Well, I don't have, I'm, like you said about disclosures, I don't have any, I don't have any solid evidence. This is just uh, kind of pure tinfoil hat type thinking here. But if you do some research online, then you will uh, find some very interesting things, and we'll, we'd love to uh, get into that after the break. So yeah, we're going to tell you about what Teddy found online that just makes you wonder where exactly did this virus start. Besides our, our tinfoil hat theories, we do have some actual news we want to talk about, some great stuff from Molly Hemingway, who of course works at Hillsdale's DC campus. She's a regular guest on the show, so we're going to look at what she's been writing about, the media bias, and much more. And, and you know, the reason we bring up some of the stuff that maybe is less talked about is the one point we do want to hone in on is, you know, the experts will tell you they know this, this is the way it has to be. But the one thing we are learning about this epidemic is that the experts certainly don't know everything. So we'll have more on all of that and how you really navigate this new world we're all waking up in. This has been American View on Quarantine. We're on Radio Free Hillsdale, 101.7 FM. We'll be back right after this. Listening to myself, Ben Dietrich, and with me is Teddy Burkhofer. I'm here talking to you about our conspiracy theories about how the uh, coronavirus started. Yeah, that's right. So we're broadcasting from our undisclosed location in Texas right now. And as I mentioned, this is our quarantine edition, which means the audio quality is not necessarily what we hoped it would be, but um, we're making it work. If you want to join us, though, on these episodes as we continue to navigate these interesting times. You can find us online. Check me out on Twitter, Ben underscore D-I-E-T-D, or find American View, W-R-F-H, on Facebook. Send us a message. We want to hear from you, and we want you to call in and talk to us um, and hear what you're doing as you're on your own quarantine right now. But for now, let's go back to the news. Earlier on the show, we had Gordon Chang on. We got to hear him and what he had to say. He's a big specialist on China. He's regularly on Fox, CNN, and he called in to, to American View to talk to us a little bit about the virus. And one of the things we asked him about was whether or not the, the virus really originated from a meat market. And he made the point, well, the, the virology lab in Wuhan is only 20 miles away. Um, and this is kind of, it's considered a conspiracy theory at this point. But, and I don't even know, but conspiracy theory I think, uh, might be, you know, might be even too strong because it hasn't been debunked necessarily. We are strictly basing where, what we think this virus started off, uh, you know, off of what China has told us and what we traditionally expect viruses, how we expect them to come from, you know, where we expect them to come from. But there's no evidence suggesting that it didn't come from a lab. Teddy found an interesting article online. We're going to share it with you. Take it as you will. He'll provide the disclaimer. 
Well, that's a good point, Ben. I, I, will, I will say I don't like to identify as a conspiracy theorist, uh, more of a free thinker. Um, so in my free thinking research – You guys are going to love Teddy. <laughs> in my free thinking research, I found this article from 2015 um, on nature.com, which is an international weekly journal of science, a uh, very respectable website. The uh, Chinese Wuhan Institute of Virology, which is only, like Ben just said, 20 miles from the meat market supposedly where this virus originated, actually in 2015 engineered a bioweapon, engineered a, um, a virus that could attach to human uh, respiratory cells. Um, and the bat virus was a combination or a hybrid of the SARS virus and a bat coronavirus. Um, and from all the indication now, five years later, about what the, uh, this disease, this novel coronavirus, this COVID-19, this Wuhan flu, Chinese flu, all of the indications say that it is a lot like SARS and that it um, may have come from bats. Now you found something else that's interesting on Wikipedia, right? What, what was that? Well, so when I was researching this, what I like to do sometimes is go on Wikipedia pages and under the tools, you can see who has edited pages and how many times. And on the Wikipedia page for the time titled Timeline of the 2019-2020 Coronavirus Pandemic between November 2019 and 2020. Uh, this article is like one of the most fiercely edited pages on Wikipedia right now. Um, I know that Wikipedia isn't necessarily a scholarly site, but it's where a lot of people get their information from. And if you were somebody trying to cover your tracks or to spread disinformation, or like uh, Mr. Chang said in the last segment, um, wage a suppression campaign or an information suppression campaign, then you certainly would like to edit the article um, multiple times and disperse those edits. Anyways, there have been lots of edits from unknown, uh, previously unused like, accounts on Wikipedia. They only, they only edit this one article, and the IP addresses uh, trace back to China, Vietnam, Singapore, other Southeast Asian nations. I'm talking about thousands of edits here um, on this very important Wikipedia page. Yeah. It's, it's crazy. I mean, so you got all these edits coming from China on Wikipedia. We already know, regardless of whether or not the theory about where this virus originated is true that we've just suggested, we know that there is a propaganda campaign, a mass propaganda campaign going on that is being perpetuated by the Chinese propaganda ministry. Real quick before we move on from this, I just want to say, Teddy, you know, the nature, the story he originally cited this from that talked about the engineered bats that were create, you know, being engineered at this Wuhan biology lab that's 20 miles away from where they say patient zero happened or where the market took place. There's a disclaimer on the article. It's pretty funny. I just want to read this for you guys. And this is an article from nature.com. It's published by Macmillan, which is a well-known um, encyclopedia company. So this is a verified website. We know this article did exist in 2015 that was titled Engineered Bats Virus Stirs Debate Over Risky Research. Editors note, Updated March 2020, we are aware that the story is being used as the basis for unverified theories that the novel coronavirus causing COVID was engineered. There is no evidence that this is true. Scientists believe that an animal is the most likely the source of the coronavirus. Okay, this is pretty funny because I love that. But you got to look into the wording. You know what I mean? Like when we read this stuff, it says unverified. It doesn't say wrong. It says unverified. And then it says scientists believe. I mean, this is a scholarly website written by scientists. They didn't say expert virologists or any other term, they just said scientists, which oh is kind of gosh. what seems like it's happening in this country. There's kind of a uh, almost cult of expertise. Uh, we're bowing down to certain yeah. certain powers that claim to be experts or... Um, 
So, and yeah, and this is, this is what we are all navigating through. I think the toughest thing about coronavirus, which I know, I imagine all of you have been experiencing, is who do you trust right now? Because you got the experts, the supposed experts. You don't know, you know, who the real expert is. I want to give you an example to just illustrate how confusing this is. Okay, the Washington Examiner has a piece out yesterday by Andrew Miller titled Imperial College Scientist Who Predicted 500,000 Coronavirus Deaths in the United Kingdom Adjust to 20,000 or Fewer. So literally this, this scientist from the Imperial College um, originally said that his, he's actually Neil Ferguson, he's pretty well known. He originally said that it was going to be a 500,000 death toll in the UK from the virus. And, and, and literally not that much later, I think this is just a couple weeks later, he, he said that his, uh, his modeling had been adjusted and now he was reasonably confident, reasonably confident, that's the quote, that it's 20,000. 500,000 to 20,000, that's a pretty big jump. So, you know, the whole trust the expert thing, I mean, you can only take it so far. And it doesn't mean when you're sick, obviously, you go to the doctor. You don't do what the uh, crazy, the, the kids, the, the, do you want to tell them a little bit about what happened with the hydrochloroquine and the, the fish feed? Yeah, well, um, I'm sure as maybe some of you guys have heard, one of the bigger stories from this week was a, a fishbowl cleaner. Yes, Sorry. there was a there was a couple in Arizona who um, who had heard the news that Donald Trump had been talking about the um, new uh, cure or um, uh, it was yeah not necessarily the antiviral medicine hydrochloroquine. It's usually used to treat malaria. It's been around for fifty years, but if you take it at high doses, it can be toxic, like a lot of things. You know, if you're out in the woods, as somebody is a Boy Scout. You know, you know, if you, you can use a tiny bit of bleach and mix it with water, and it'll clean your water enough to drink. But if you use a ton, you you know, you drink a cup of bleach, you're gonna die. Right. So this couple in Arizona um, saw that there was a resemblance in the name between the drug concoction that Donald Trump and C CDC is working to get on market, and um, a an just one of the ingredients of their fishbowl cleaner. And they decided to uh, both ingest it as, so as to prevent coronavirus. They weren't even positive for coronavirus, and they ingested it. And, and sadly, uh, and one of them died, and the other was seriously hospitalized. Yeah, it's crazy. And so, you know, you, you read this story, and, and I mean, the, 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 the sad part is, is not only the death, but also just the way the media has run with it to say, you know, to suggest that Donald Trump is responsible for the death of this man because he's been touting that this drug can actually save lives and like well actually can kill you it's like okay you know obviously there's a difference between ingesting as much as you can of a drug or a raw chemical you know versus taking a medicine from your doctor and, and the fact that those can be conflated it, it's so that that's stupid i mean there's a common sense factor you gotta that you gotta figure into all of this is the point we're getting at here which is that you know in these times, don't always assume that what you hear is true. Good common sense, right? Be open to the fact that there might be other evidence that suggests otherwise. You read one article that says this drug works great. Look at the criticism. Look at what they have to say. To that point, Ben, uh, about trusting the experts, it seems to a certain extent, I mean, China is very well known to be a technocracy. It is run by the experts. Um, if you will. And of course, regardless of whether this was a bioweapon or whether this was just a unfortunate thing that started in China, um, the point is, is that China lied about it, uh, suppressed information, did not let the international community know, were, were not taking good care of their people. And the experts in China that run the country there 
uh, failed failed their people and let this and failed the international I mean failed the world and let this disease spread. So in America, you know, we have an obligation, I would say, to be a little bit distrustful of um, especially the Chinese narrative, but even of all the reports and all the media that you see, everyone has an agenda, even in times like these. And it's it's important to uh, kind of sift through what is true and what is um, just maybe praise and sensationalism and what is just people talking um, without any without any expertise in this kind of thing. Because we've, we have not experienced, at least um, at least in our lifetimes, a pandemic to this extent. Yeah. And that's kind of the point is, is look, this virus I think is driving liberals in particularly, if you are progressive, if you are not a supporter of the president, you are just significantly, statistically, not citing any statistics here, I'm guessing, you are much more likely to be going crazy at this moment. And I think that the reason for that is that there are some Americans, many Americans today, an increasing amount are so reliable on, um, you know, statistics and the experts to guide their lives, to tell them what to do. These, these self-appointed in many, many points, you know, in many situations, if you want to live in a bureaucratic state, like California, you know, even unfortunately, you know, America, they look to bureaucrats to guide their lives. And right now, that's not really enough. It's not that you shouldn't be listening to the so-called experts, but you should always be taking what they have to say with a grain of salt and be aware that there are people out there with other opinions. Now, the hydrochloroquine story is just an example of some idiocy where, you know, it, it's common sense that you don't take, you don't take any chemical you find that's not meant for human consumption. You know, it, it, that you, you don't just take the raw chemicals you find next to a pool. If you find a bucket of chlorine next to the pool and Donald Trump says, you know, some drug that the chloroquine can be can cure coronavirus and you see chlorine, you're like, oh, those sound similar. You don't drink the whole bucket of chlorine. That's just insane. Um, but you see this happening. The media has been so bad right now and it's upsetting people. I mean, we just had this trillion dollar stimulus come out. There's so much we could talk about in that thing. I mean, um, but just the way they've been portraying it. I mean, one person that we mentioned that's been really covering this well has been Molly Hemingway. And she, of course, works for Hillsdale. We mentioned her earlier. I want to show you some examples just to document some of the media bias. If you don't believe it's true or if your friends who are liberal tell you, oh, I don't know what you're talking about. We're just going to spell it out for you here on American View. You're listening to it, by the way. This is Radio Free Hills, 101.7 FM. American View on quarantine from our undisclosed location in Texas. This is her latest article that Melly Hemingway had on The Federalist, uh, published just today, actually. Um, she made the point that right now the, the media has been suggesting that Donald Trump is somehow responsible for the fact or is responsible for the fact that America has now surpassed, allegedly, uh, China and Italy on the number of coronavirus cases, okay? And it's interesting because CNN has been tweeting out, they tweeted out, just in, this is last night, the United States now has more coronavirus, case, coronavirus cases reported than Italy with more than 80,000 cases according to a CNN tally. China still leads. This was earlier. Now, according to the statistics China has provided, we also exceed them. After this, CNN, or earlier, CNN had chastised Donald Trump on Twitter and had chastised him for suggesting that America 
was testing more people than South Korea. They even fact-checked him, and so did other places like MSNBC, and they said the president was being dishonest by simply stating that we had tested more people because he's not considering the per capita numbers, that it's dishonest to talk about how many cases or tests there are without considering the per capita numbers. And then you see them, you know, just hours later. Totally, totally uh, flipping the numbers and saying, well, you know, America has the most number of cases. Yet on a per capita basis, of course, sadly, Italy leads that, I would, I would imagine. And um, it's just, you know, it's, it's, one of these, it's one of these double standards. It's a, it's a lose-lose, you know, heads you win, heads, heads you win, heads I, tails I win. Or heads you win, tails I lose or something like that. I mean, it's, it's one of these situations where the president can't win. And nobody, you know, nobody in the mainstream media wants to give him any credit for um, shutting down the border with or shutting down trade with China very early on, earlier than most countries, shutting down trade with Europe at a at a fairly prudent time, I would say. Um, of course, it, with hindsight, it, maybe it would have been better to do those things a few weeks earlier. But hindsight is always twenty twenty. Yeah, and that's something we're going to talk about. Is is how do you deal with a situation you're now in? where science and the experts is not going to necessarily predict the future or tell you exactly this is how long it's going to last, it's going to be over, over at this point. We now live in a much more unpredictable time than any American has ever experienced. It's probably living right now unless you've been around, you know, since the time, unless you're part of the greatest generation and you're left over from what it was like to live in a, a world war. That's the level of predictability we have day to day. You know, the stock market is constantly changing. We have no idea what the permanent long-term effects are. And it requires something that as Hillsdale students and as members of the Hillsdale community, I think we're really well equipped to, to talk about and handle. And that's the idea of statesmanship and the idea of having good judgment, judgment that allows you to make decisions in times where you might not know what the best situation, you know, you, where you don't know what the, the right thing to do is, you know, for sure. You have to make a judgment. There is no good call. There are only two bad options. And you have to decide which option is this, the least bad. That's what it takes right now to live in this time and, and what our governors and our president and so many of our leaders have to decide. We'll talk about that more, um, but more on this media bias, just to tag in on this, Teddy. Uh, another article that Molly Hemingway had out, which is about the press conferences. Okay, The president has been held, holding press conferences every single day with his task force. Now, let's give you some, some up to speed or give me some background information on this because the media has long criticized, the liberal media has long criticized President Trump for saying that basically he is not holding enough press conferences. His staff never holds press conferences. He stopped holding press conferences after um, basically Sarah Sanders decided she didn't want to hold them. And then when she stopped holding them, the newest press secretary, Stephanie Grissom, just hasn't held them at all. And the reason is because the president normally just communicates through Twitter and his rallies. He doesn't want to hold a press conference that gives you know, negative opportunities for the media to attack him. He doesn't think it does anything constructive for him, and he's not required to hold them. But because of the crisis, he's decided to hold them every day. And you would think that it would be worth broadcasting these. But recently, there have been some polls out suggesting that the president, his approval rating for the handling the virus is above 50%. It's been ranging, ABC said, 55% uh, of Americans approve of the president's management. Um, and this has been driving liberal media journalists crazy. Literally, the journalists have been going online and saying, oh my gosh, we must be doing something wrong. People think the president is doing a good job. So suddenly, CNN, NBC have pulled their coverage of the president's press conferences. Basically, 
only taking small amounts of the press conferences and trying to take as little as possible um, from the actual press conferences. It's so ironic because just less than a month ago, they were complaining that he was not communicating enough to the American people. I mean, it's no wonder why the president likes to refer to the uh, to this mainstream media as the enemy of the people. He communicates directly with the people. The people like how he's been handling this crisis and are approve approving of it. And then, uh, and he's been doing it. He usually, you know, his, his usual mode of communication is directly to the people, as Ben said on Twitter at rallies. Um, he's definitely a, a populist in many ways, and the mainstream media has been able to uh, has been able to completely cut out these um, cut out like these these clips of the president that make him look like he's uh, in you know he's not capable of handling the situation that he's not taking it seriously they're taking quotes out of context it's very dishonest um, and it's it's quite sad to see even you know we're all in this in this crisis together um, it's important to kind of work together and to get information, as we've been saying this entire episode, uh, to try and get information that is true and to verify it. Yeah, so it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, I want to give you some of the, the quotes here from this. So one of the quotes was from, a, a, you know, basically them saying that, that Trump's daily pandemic briefings have developed into an open mic night full of misinformation, the cable staffers have said. And so they have weighed that it's not worth letting the president speak to the American people because it, it could be, you know, negatively affecting the president's approval ratings. And, and, and you know, they're so one-sided in their coverage, they don't even want to let his microphone stay on without them being able to control what he says. Because what they realize is, like Teddy was saying, what they realize is when they let the president speak or they let his team speak for long periods of time without them chiming in to twist the facts and twist what he has to say, um, like the headlines that they offer, which we'll show you some of those, then he actually does pretty well with most independents and Americans. Unless people already hate him, he, you know, unless the, the person listening is already a avowed Trump hater, he does pretty good, which is, is interesting to see. So for Americans that are so used to, you know, turning to the experts to tell them what to do, to go online to hear, okay, this is what I need to do, they're kind of freaking out and even turning to the journalists right now, you can't necessarily do that because most journalists are being dishonest. There are some good ones out there. Um, Molly Hemingway is one of them. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's going to take some good judgment from all of us to be able to get through this situation. Um, read a lot. Keep on listening to American View on quarantine. We're going to be helping you out with that. We're, we're sadly out of time here. And Teddy and I both have to get, get outside and start our sailing for the day. But... Um, this situation, especially from our leaders, is going to require some prudence. Don't rush to judgment on what the president does, even if you dislike him. I would just say time will tell whether those decisions are right. President Trump, he made the right point the other day. He said, look, if the doctors had it their way, we would be shut down for months and months and months, and we would shut down the entire world overnight. But you have to always weigh what the other costs are. And it doesn't mean that you're choosing the stock market over human lives. It doesn't necessarily mean that. But any good leader in trying times is going to have to make some sort of judgment and have to make a decision about what the best situation is when there aren't necessarily two good ones. And that's that's what we do at Hillsdale. We'll have more on that next week. Hopefully get Dr. Arn on at some point. But for now, of course, this has been uh, American View on Quarantine Daddy. Thank you for joining us. 
Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there. This has been American View on Radio Free Hills 101.7 FM. <laughs>